Well, good morning, morning. Welcome to New Hope. <laughs> okay, we're going to receive the tithes and offerings, so if the ushers will get ready. Um, actually, Salt Conference was awesome, and those of you who came, it, wasn't it? It was great. And yes, thank you. But it was, you know, what we got, it was cool was watching people serve and learn together and then put their gifts together to advance the kingdom of God. And to watch that unfold was just an amazing time. And actually, we're going to let you continue that. Um, anybody who wants to, in three weeks, we have our lifestyle practicum. And in that, we're going to learn how to develop the disciplines that will help grow us in our um, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental walk with Christ. So if you're interested in that, check out the Information Center for more information or just to register. Okay, but going back to the conference, one of the highlights for me was in one of the breakouts, we'd asked a couple to um, share with us on how uh, ministry begins at home. And when I contacted them, they said, oh, okay, but um, we don't, we're not comfortable doing public speaking. We've never done that before. But if that's what God wants, we'll do it. And when I watched them do their breakout, it was amazing. The time and effort they put into preparing, the way that they um, told their story, connected with the people, and I got to stand there and go, this is salt. This is serving and learning together. Someone else is rising up, and they're using their gift, and they've added it to the pot. And in adding it to the pot, they're impacting other people so that they can bring their gifts in and add it to the pot. And it's when we bring our gifts together that God gets glorified and his word gets to go out. And it's the same way as we bring our tithes and offerings, we get to obey God in the amount that we're bringing. And then what he does is he adds it to someone else's obedience and to what they're bringing and to the, how they're hearing him. And then we put that together and then we're able to reach our community, our state, and our nation. And all that is is all of us responding to God and serving and learning together. Now, if you're visiting here for the first time, don't feel that you have to give. That's something you can do. If New Hope is your home church, and this is where we get to say to God, okay, I've got it. I'm going to bring what I've got, and I'm going to partner it up with all my sisters and brothers in this room, and even those of you online, and we're going to reach our community. Would you bow your head, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of your kingdom, for allowing us to just be a part of what you're doing. We're so grateful for that. So Lord God, would you receive our hearts and our obedience? Would you receive our tithes and our offerings? Would you put them together? And would you use it to advance your kingdom? Because there's a world that needs hope. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing in, in the series, God's Mission for Me. And today we'll be learning about being made in God's image. And you know, there's so many voices out there that want to say one thing about you or another. They want to tell you what you want to be or how you should think or how you should respond. But there's one voice we should hear. And it's the voice of God telling us who we are. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. And that's the truth. And, and we live in a world that tries to tell us how we're supposed to live, who we're supposed to be, and, and how we're supposed to feel in the world we live in. But God says something different, and that's what this series is all about, God's mission for me, that God created us in a unique way, and every single one of us has a very unique journey with God himself. And along that journey, God is going to show up and show us that he can use parts of our life and sometimes our entire life to reach out to other people so that they could relate to your story so that they can relate to your God, because there are many people 
who have no hope in the world that we live in, but because of what you've been going through and the things that God has done in your life, even as simple as bringing you to church, that speaks volumes to people. That's, that's how God uses our life for him. And when we talk about being made in the image of God, it's more about what God says rather than what the world says because the world is going to say all kinds of things. We're going to hear it through social media, advertisements. We're going to hear it even on, in movies. We're going to hear how we're supposed to be. Have you ever shopped on Amazon? If you shop online or on your phone through the app, there are, they will have like suggested or uh, suggested items. Like you, you just want to buy Q-tips and then they have suggested items, boots, makeup, you know, hairstyles, and they have all these different suggested items and all you wanted was Q-tips, shampoo. You wanted shoestrings. But they give these things and, and we look at it and we think, I might need that. Yeah, I, I might need that. That, that, might, might, that might come in handy one day. But what happens is we, we begin to shape our mind like the world, and nothing bad about getting things, but for some reason, we develop this pattern, a way of thinking, and the way that we think becomes more like the world. And we don't even know it. It, it comes in very subtly, and without us recognizing it, we come to God, and we have a difficult time thinking the way God would think. We have a difficult time, time understanding when God speaks something to us, how we can live that out. It's difficult because of the way we think. We've been structured to think in a certain kind of way, how we should look, uh, how we should dress, how much we should weigh, and what our face should look like. And God says, let's slow this down. How about you come back to me, and then I will let you know who you are and who you're supposed to be, because my way is the best way to live. And, and it's, it's not too short to understand, or it's not too far for us to really understand the likeness of God that we're made in his image. We say that with our children. When, when we see a brand new baby and, and we see the mom or dad with them, the, one of the first things we do is we say, wow, you look, you, you look like your mom. Or we see their eyes. It's like, oh, yeah, you kind of you look like your dad. Or you have your mom's, you have your mom's cheeks, your dad's, uh, you have your dad's eyebrows. You know, we kind of pick out some features and we liken it to the parents because of the likeness and the similarities. We naturally do that because we understand that when we have children, they have kind of the same qualities as the parents. And that's what God looks at in us. He says, you are made in my image. So when people look at your life, they might say, boy, the way you love people, the way you encourage, man, you're, you're, just, like, you're just like Jesus. You're... you're, you're like, you're so encouraging. What, what is it about you that's so encouraging? And the only thing we can really trace back to is that we're made in the image of God. That God is the one who provides us with the spirit, the character, the attributes that build people up. We want to look like him. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. You can take out your notes with me or it'll pop up here on the screen. We're going to read this together because we need to understand this. This is the whole foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, made in the image of God is great, and when we understand what that truly means, it will help us to live a stable, sure, 
uh, a solid life for him rather than getting rocked from the world and, and we have to shift with the ways of the world and change because of the ways of the world. But he gives us a way to live so that no matter what takes place in the world, we're able to be the people he created us to be. And he says it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And when he says, don't copy the behavior of the world, it means to conform oneself or one's mind and character to another's pattern. In this case, we're conforming ourselves the way we think, our character qualities, to the ways of the world. And the Bible says, don't copy those customs and behaviors, or you're fashioning yourself according to the ways of the world. Now, wouldn't it be great if everything was perfect, if there was no negativity coming in, no insecurities, that life was just filled with hope, vision for our lives, and the kind of peace and comfort that we've never felt before. That life would be great if, if, that's, if that's how life was. But here's what the Bible teaches us, and we're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to look at three ways to help us understand what it means to be made in the image of God. And the first thing is to change the way we think. Because that, that's, that's probably the most difficult part when we begin to develop this relationship with God, to become the person that he created us to be, to be made in his image. We gotta change the way we think. We actually don't want to continue living the way we've, we've learned in the world. We don't like certain things that we've done in our past. We, we don't like it. For some of us, we look in the mirror and we hate what we've done. We don't like how, the choices that we've made. And so we even come to church, we, we feel guilty because of the things we've done. God put inside of us his spirit, not so that we'd feel guilty. He took care of that on the cross. He put that there so that we would chase after him, so that we would have something inside of us to help us change the way we think, so that we're no longer patterning ourselves in the ways of the world. Because we don't, we don't want to continue living after the patterns of the world how the world shaped us. We, we really want to live how God designed us to live. When something changes, it, 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 we struggle with it because we've, we've known that certain way for a long time. You know, so, some time ago, we had a recycling program that we were changing more towards recycling, right? You go to the rubbish dump and then you have to separate your trash. And that was a difficult thing. And for some of us, we're like, we ain't separating nothing. And we just throw everything in one trash bag. But for others, they would separate everything. Honey, the, the cans go here. The bottles go here. Plastics go here. Paper goes here. Cardboard goes here. And so we'd separate it all. And then after some years go by, you get used to. You go to the rubbish dump. You stop. Throw out your metals. You throw out your bottles in another bin, and then you drive a little bit, then you throw out your cardboards, your greens, you know, your, 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 the plants and all of the, the green waste. You put that there, and then you throw the regular rubbish into the rubbish bin. And then after being at the dump for five days, you leave, and then you repeat the process again. So you do that after some years, you develop that habit. Recently, it has changed. So, and I'm still learning the new way. 
which I, you can't put cans and, and you know, mixed, mixed, uh, mixed rubbish. I don't know what that's called. Mixed recycles. You can't do that, so you have to do it differently. So it's, it, it can become frustrating because now there's a change. And there are some people, they're just so frustrated. They're like, I'm just throwing everything away. Refrigerator and all. Same place. I just go throw, I'm going to pull my car battery, car tire, same place. You figure it out. And so there's frustration because there's this major change. It's hard to change the way we think when we've patterned our way or patterned our thinking in a certain way. You shopped at Target lately? <laughs> Whew. It's like walking into a war zone. People's like, what are crackers? What are crackers? And everybody, so you meet at an intersection. It's like, oh, I cannot deal with this place. I don't even know where the bread is anymore. Who knows where the bread is? I don't even think they have bread. Is it where the tortillas are? I don't even know if they have tortillas anymore. I don't want to shop here anymore. So everybody gets, you know, frustrated. Why? Because they were used to a certain way of shopping, and then they redesigned everything, and now everyone is having a hard time shopping. See, thanks be to God that I'm not the shopper. So when I shop at Target, I never knew where anything was anyway. So when they went through all their changes, it didn't bother me at all. I just had fun watching everybody else get crazy. I was always lost. I always had to ask where something is. It, it never bothered me at all. And I liken that to the, the, the world. When, we, when we've patterned ourselves with the world, in the way the world functions and how the world thinks and how we have to keep up with everything of the world, when something changes, it's frustrating. It's hard to deal with. What, what law has changed? We got to change the law. Oh, now we have to live like this. And then now we're frustrated. And then something else changes. Technology changes. It's like, I don't want to upgrade my phone. Just put the phone back on the wall. I'd rather have a wired phone. I don't even service. We always had service. We always, even through hurricane the phone still works. <laughs> Electricity gone, nobody can talk to each other. Everybody's like lost. What do we do? All the kids frustrated at home. No more Wi-Fi, mama. No more Wi-Fi. <laughs> Something changes. We, we're, we don't know how to think anymore because we've been so accustomed to the ways of the world. Now, those things aren't bad. It just shapes our thinking. And so when God comes in and he says, here's... Here's how I want you to live. You're made in my image. Sometimes we have a difficult time because we've been patterned in a certain way, but if you're always with God and you don't pattern yourself to the ways of the world, the world can change constantly, but it doesn't, it doesn't rattle you because he's the one that's shaping our thinking. I like how the book of Isaiah puts it, Isaiah chapter 64 Verse 8, it says, but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you our potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. So you must remember that it's God the one who shapes us. It's his hand. He's the one that forms us and shapes us, not the world. The world should not be responsible to shape our lives that's God's responsibility. He's the potter, we're the clay. The reason why he's called the potter is because the end result is the pot. And there's a designer behind that pot, whatever was formed. And through the, the process, you bring a, just a, a lump of clay and you put it on the potter's wheel. And the reason why Isaiah likens us 
as clay to the potter is because it takes time to start to mold and shape that piece of clay. You have to put water, you have to mar it, you have to push it, and you have to, you have to reshape what it was before. And in some cases, you have to take out what doesn't belong for the final process. You have to carve out what doesn't belong, and sometimes you have to reshape and reshape until you develop that final output of what the pot is supposed to look like. That's the vision that Isaiah wanted us to have with our father being the potter. Because everything that God does is always motivated by love. He sees the final output and he says, I'm going to help, I'm going to shape you because I see the final output. You're made in my image, so I'm going to have to reshape how you've been accustomed to, how you've been thinking, the patterns of the world. I'm going to have to reshape you. What the enemy intended for evil, I can turn for good. So even though we go through difficult times, go back to the potter and say, Lord, what are you teaching me? What, are, what am I supposed to learn? Because for some of us, we might think that we, it's because we did something wrong. And yeah, sure, there are consequences to our actions, but more often than not, it could be possibly God trying to teach us something through that situation that we're going through. That if we can glean something out of that, then we become more the image that he created us to be. It's his hand on our life. He's the potter, we're the clay. He's the one that shapes us. You know, when we think about children, many of our children, they, they, they take on our, our character qualities and our attributes. And when they're young, when, when they misbehave, we say, oh, you're just like your... <laughs> the dad would say the mom, the mom would say the dad. But there are certain character qualities of our children that when they behave in a certain way, it reminds us of a, of the, a certain parent, mom or dad. Why? Because they, they carry on what they've been learning for, from us. And the same is true with us and God. The more we change our thinking to develop in the way he thinks, then when we're living in this world, people can say, wow, you, you're just like your father in heaven. The way you speak, the way you encourage, you build people up. You, you, when you come to work, you just bring so much energy and so much joy and encouragement that you remind me of that, that Jesus that you talk about. We are either going to be shaped by the world or the word. It's going to be our choice. And God uses his word to bring a, a different way of thinking. And really, changing the way we think is as practical as thinking how God thinks, which we need to learn how he thinks. Because if not, we're going to gravitate towards our own way of thinking. So when we go to work, his love should be shaping us so that when we go to work or school or even with our families, wherever we would go, we're shaped by him rather than being frustrated at other people. That when we walk into the work environment, people see that there's something different about us. That we walk into the workplace on Monday morning, not dragging and saying, oh man, I hate Mondays. But you're thinking of your life's purpose, that God has put you there. In a, and it could be a dark place that you're working in an environment that it's not the godliest, but yet God put you there to shine as a light so that they might find hope too. So that when everyone else is complaining, you're encouraging, you're building up. You're bringing in the spirit of the living God. That you're not going to think like that anymore. That the way you used to think or complaining or gossiping or, or putting down other people. 
or when you go to school that you're not going to be the one that's participating with other people, teasing other people. You're going to be the light that shines in your school, in your class, among your friends, that as they grow up, they're going to remember you because of how you were in school. They're going to remember you in the workplace because you treated people differently. Even though the current of the world and and the current of the workplace is going one direction, that you would think to yourself, wait a minute, I used to think like that, but Lord, reshape my thinking. Help me to think how you're thinking. Some time ago, uh, this is when my son was, I think, about four or five years old, so this was like 25 years ago. We're driving on the Paneva stretch. I had to say 25 years ago because I'm going to tell the story of what I did. So (laughs) on the Paneva stretch, and this guy cuts me off. And he cut me off, and I had to slam my brakes. Now, my son is in the car seat. Heidi is in the passenger seat. And I was like, brah, you ain't, I'm with my kid. So I chase him down. I chase, well, well, yeah, that's right. Take him out. Hang on. Story's still going. There's still God in this somewhere. I chase him all the way to the plaza. And he tries to go through the parking lot, like, brah, I'm going to jump the curb if I got to. So he, he goes down one of the parking lot areas. I cut him off. Now I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm not going to jump on and, you know, start, what's up? Because if he comes on, he's like. I'm like, oh, I'm just letting you know your taillight was broken. So I didn't, I, didn't know what, I didn't know what to think. So I rolled down my window, and it was a manual roll-down window. You cannot be cool being mad at a manual roll-down window. So I was like, and the window was like, and so I I looked, and I went, what? And he just stayed there. I can't see who's really in the car, and and because it's it's dark and it's tinted, and then I roll it back up, and I felt vindicated. I felt like, yeah, don't mess with me. It's dangerous what you did. And then instantly I felt the Lord saying, is that who you want to be? Do you want to be that person? Because, you know, chasing him down was more dangerous than him cutting in front of you. And your anger, your temper got the best of you. Is this this who you want to be? And I remember thinking, wow, what am I showing my son Heidi all that time was like, babe, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. Let him go. It's, it's fine. It's, like, it's not fine. I'm going to teach them how they're supposed to drive. And, but in my heart, I remember the Lord saying, is that who you want to be? He continues to shape us. We just have to be willing to be shaped. We've got to change the way we think from our old ways to new ways. And it's going to be difficult. But what helps is to think in the way that he's the potter and we're the clay, the one who shapes us. Then as the clay, the pot, the vessel, we represent the Lord, which, which is the second thing. Represent the Lord well. Not an easy thing to do because it's almost like, well, how, how do you represent a perfect God? How do you even do that? But it's like with our children. We want them to represent us well. And sometimes we see children, you know, misbehaving and, and they're young. We don't, you know, we want to correct them. But sometimes we're like, where's your parents? We're going to lick your parents. Like it's, what, what, how come they're behaving this way? So we try to liken them to the parents. And I, I get that. But kids make their own choices too. But if we are to represent the Lord well because he created us, it's because we reflect the image of God. 
when people see us, they're supposed to see a reflection of the love of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, that you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I learned this principle with my mom. I didn't know what she was trying to teach me. She would cut grass outside of our house, and we didn't have a lawnmower or even the push, you know, the, the mowing, uh, the, the manual push one. Uh, she, she had these shears, like with the sciz- like a scissors, the shears. So she would cut, and it wasn't that big of a yard, but you use shears, that takes a while to cut the grass. So she would cut grass, and then she would tell me, Sheldon, why don't you cut the grass today? And so I would go outside and I'd, as fast as I can because I want to play. So I'm just cutting grass. She comes outside, and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm cutting the grass. I want to go play. She goes, that's not how you cut the grass. It's like, Mom, there's no manual that says how to cut grass. So long as it's short. She goes, no, 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 give me that. She takes the shears out of my hand, and she says, watch me and listen to how it sounds when I cut the grass. See, this is why I'm damaged, because my mom was so meticulous. <laughs> so she would cut the grass, and she would say, watch now. You see how even? Shh, shh, shh. She goes, listen now. Shh, shh. You hear the sound? I'm like, yeah. Shh. She goes, this is how you are doing it. She goes, see your grass? I'm like, yeah. Look at it, all uneven. It was all like rat bite, you know, bullet head, tall. So, and then she would keep going. She goes, she, goes, she said this. And if you cut it like this, you see my forearm? You see that muscle? You can get big muscles on your forearm. <laughs> That's the Filipino blood. She goes for the eagle. So, so I would do that and, and cut grass like that. And, but this is what she said after. She said, the reason why I want to teach you is not just because it's, it's better, but because I don't want people to think that that was me cutting the grass. <laughs> I was like, eh. Makes sense. I mean, you know, reputation, right? Manipur man come by, oh, your grass, ah, oh, crooked. Mailman come by. That's what she said. If people come by, it'll look like it was her. So when we would wash clothes, we didn't have a washing machine. I would wash clothes by hand in the sink outside, wash it by hand. And as being a little kid, I couldn't, you know, wring out all the water. So I'll just spin it on the way <laughs> to the clothesline. And then I would just throw it over. And I would, I would, like, open it up. I wasn't that bad. I would, I would put half because I'm thinking if you do whole, it takes forever for all of that water to go through the entire jeans. So if I put half, it's just half. So I'll throw it over, put one pin, throw over my shirt, put one pin, and just <laughs> throw clothes all over. And it was so heavy. The clothesline was almost all the way to the ground. So you start with long pants, socks, bibbidees, so that it, if it hangs low, it's not going to touch the ground. So my mom comes out of the house, and she says, Sheldon, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I, I'm hanging clothes. I want to go play. I got to finish the clothes. She says, that's horrible. I said, Mom, it's going to dry eventually. She says, look how much water is on. The-. And sure enough, it's just dripping. And she says, redo it. I'm like, Mom, I got to go. She goes, no, redo it. <sighs> I had to take off all the pins and take off all the clothes and then redo everything how she wanted it done. 
And she would tell me, here's how you hang it. You put these clothes here. You put these clothes here. You put these ones here because the sun comes through this way. The sun will hit it at this angle. These are going to take longer to dry. So you put all your jeans here so the sun catches this one. I'm like, Mom, what kind of science is this? It's clothes. She says, no, because if people pass by, they're going to think that I hung these clothes. So do it correctly. <laughs> But that's, that's the whole, that was the whole teaching. It was, do not bring dishonor on your family. This is, this is my reputation on the line. That's what she was teaching me. And I thought, wow, that's, that's what God is saying here. He's not saying, live in this way or else I'm going to look bad. He's saying, live in this way because I am good. And so when people see your good works, they're going to glorify me in heaven. Why? Because that's where the good works come from. You represent me. When people see you, they're going to think of me. So let your light so shine that they see your good works and glorify me in heaven. And then the last thing, develop eternal values. I think we all have them. It's how do we, how do we live in this kind of way? And it's not living with perfection. It's just representing a God who gave us eternity. And when we understand the mission that God has for us in this world, then it's more than just living to blend in with the world, but helping people understand that we're created for eternity, that we represent the Lord well, because we've been changing the way our thought process was developed throughout our time here on this earth. But now we have these eternal values, and, and God starts to shape us to really think through not just existing, but living with eternity in mind. Have you ever asked yourself, what are your eternal values? And what does that look like? Because for many of us, we understand we've been created for eternity, that God wants to use our life to help other people know and understand that they are valuable in the eyes of God, that they're loved by him, that they're important to him, that, he is a, that they are treasures in the sight of God. So he'll use our life but if we don't have eternal values attached to our life, then everything we do becomes a job or a task, and it's an, it's an end in itself versus saying, God, today you're going to use me for something eternal. Help me to value people. Help me to value my family, my loved ones, people I come in contact with. When I go to work, when I go to school, you've given me a set of eternal values, and people are eternal, God. So help me to, to use my life in that kind of way. That when we're getting ready in the morning, and even for church, that we're not saying, oh, yeah, I got to go to church. It's, wow, Lord, I, I get to, I get to go to church. I get to be in your presence. I get to worship you. Because there, are, there is an eternal value attached to it. That when we give to God, there's an eternal value attached to it. It's not just giving. It's understanding the value that comes with it. When we invest in our spirit, there's an eternal value attached to it. That's why with the SALT conference, it was, it was a no-brainer for us. We wanted to invest in the lives of people. It's not a job. It's a joy because of eternal values. Now, how do you develop eternal values? Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. It tells us to store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be or will also be. If we keep eternity in mind and eternal values, then everything we do 
at the end of it has a life attached to it, a soul that is attached to it, that someone is going to receive from this, whatever we're doing. When you go to work, you might be thinking, but I do this every week. I'm doing the same thing every week, every week. Change the way you think. Just remember the value that God has put in you, that you are a representative of the God of the universe. So when you are wherever you are, even though you may be at a place where it seems mundane, God is going to send people your way or even people you work with. And it may seem mundane, but you're made in his image. And people are going to feed off of your encouragement, your, your, the words that you may speak to them, the love that you have for them. And when they see that, the Bible says, they are going to glorify your Father in heaven. It may not be today, it may be down the line, but because we have eternal values, we're going into work, not for a paycheck, but because someone's eternity may be at stake. We do everything with an eternal value. We think eternally. That's why we have to change the way we think. We don't just exist here on this earth as human beings. You are children of God, and God uses our life to tell his story to a world that needs a good ending to what looks like a horrible story in our world. And God is going to use our lives. Just develop those eternal values, even if you have to start at home because that's the best place to start. One of the values that Heidi and I have is our relationship between husband and wife, that we're going to have a set of values, eternal values, that, that, that we honor one another. And one of, the, one of our values that we have in our home is that we will never leave the house without giving each other a goodbye kiss. It's just a part of one of our values because we value one another and who God has called us to be. And so one day I'm in a rush. I need to leave. I have a meeting to go to. And on the way out, Heidi says, hey, do you want some breakfast? And I'm like, well, I actually do, but I don't have time. So I said, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. She goes, I can make it to go. And I said, yeah, sure. And just like that, like no heart, no like, oh, honey, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure, I'll take a breakfast on the go. I just went, yeah, yeah, sure. So I go to the car, put all my things in because I'm thinking I'm going to give you enough time to make whatever it is, and so I'm going to put my things in the car. I come back in, and then she hands me the breakfast, and then our value is we're not going to leave until we give each other a kiss. But I got to go. I'm like, I got to go, and I, I want to drive speed limit. So I can't kiss her because she's on the other side of the counter. So I try to reach over, and she's reaching over. And like, I'm like, I'm like, one hole in this counter. I cannot reach. And so then she goes, and then pats me on the face. I think it was on slap, but it was kind of like a, like a <laughs> pat. But she, she did this, and then she put it on my face, and I was like, oh, thank you. And as I, I'm, I'm walking out, and it's like the Lord yanked me. Poof, get back over here. Remember your values. I said, oh, okay. So I walk back in, and Heidi's on the other side of the counter. She's doing whatever she's doing. She doesn't really see me. Then I, I put the breakfast down, and I walk around the counter, and she's looking at me, and I'm like, So I walk around the counter, put my hands on her shoulder, and I look into her eyes. And I said, Heidi, I should never be in too much of a hurry not to give you a goodbye kiss. She's like, yeah. It's like there went the romance. The music was like, yeah. 
yeah, like that. You just stop the music. <laughs> and then, but I, th I thought, Lord, we have to change the way we think. Otherwise, we compromise even the values that we know is good for us. That we, we do represent the Lord wherever we go, even in our very own homes, with our very own family. But if we, if we develop eternal values, then no matter what life looks like, everything is connected back to God. He's the potter, we're the clay. He's going to mold us and shape us. And it may take time. We'll struggle through it. But as we learn how to develop the kind of lifestyle that is opposite of the world, in the end, it is well worth it. Because he's the potter, we're the clay. He's always doing something good for our final outcome. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for being the potter, that we're the clay, that you know exactly what you're doing, that we're made in your image, we're made in a unique way, that we all have a very unique life to live. We may struggle with it because the world says you're supposed to be like this, you're supposed to look like this, you're supposed to wear this, you're supposed to weigh this much, and you're supposed to chase after these dreams. But Jesus, you showed us a better way. You, you put yourself on the cross. You died for us so that we could have a better way to live, so that we could live the way you designed us to live. So we're praying to you, the one who is able to make what seems impossible, possible. Thank you for making us just the way you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen. He's so good. He's so good. So our, our encouragement today is just, just live how God created us to live because he's going to do great and powerful things. He's so good to us. I'm so thankful that we got to gather here today. Now, when we leave these doors, that's when we apply what God has taught us. We're going to have a good day today because God is in it. Amen.